Welcome to Shelf Logic, the official podcast of the Maricopa County Library District. Hello, and welcome to this episode of Shelf Logic. My name is Alyssa. And my name is Caitlin. And we are going to talk about uh, juvenile books for adults. Yes, we are. Yes, we are. <laughs> um, I feel like there's so many good juvenile books that like it's hard to narrow it down, but we try to narrow it down to like our best four. Yeah, best for each, I think. I just really love reading children's books. I don't know why. I think they're more fun than adult books. They are. Like, they're so cute. And, like, I would even, like, I like teen books better, too. Like, no offense to the adult fiction genre. Right. Of course, of course. But, I mean, kids get the better literature, let's face it. <laughs> I think so, too. And I feel like the representation tends to be better, especially nowadays. And there's just so much... You can get from them reading them as an adult. Yeah, yeah. I feel like there's a lot of diversity. And then, like, even if you read the older children's books, I mean, children's books that were published earlier on, I mean, there's still a lot of messages that you miss as a kid in those, you know? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. So um, I will start with our first book. I chose uh, The Long Way Down by Jason Reynolds. It's about um, a 15-year-old kid. His name is Will, and he wants to avenge his brother's uh, fatal shooting death. Um, So he gets on an elevator, and he's greeted by seven ghosts. Each one enters the elevator um, on each floor that he stops at, and they are people that knew his brother and tried to you know, inform him of the decisions that he's going to make and how it affects his life. Um, it's written in free verse if you read the chapter book, but it's also a graphic novel, and it kind of goes through, like, actions have consequences, grief, and you really have a feeling for the character. Um, I really like Jason Reynolds as an author overall. He's wrote, written so many good kids' books, um, and they're just so educational, I feel like. I, I have not read any Jason Reynolds, but I have heard fantastic things about him, and I always see him on the shelf and go, gosh, i got to pick one of those up. So okay. <laughs> Yeah, and like they're always super easy because, like I said, he has it in so many different formats. And I think he does it with a lot of his books, that he has chapter books, graphic novels, whatnot, because he's trying to diversify all of, the, um, all of the kids that he can reach. Awesome. Yeah. Adding him to the list, for sure. <laughs> all right, so my first recommendation is basically anything by Neil Gaiman. <laughs> um, <laughs> Specifically the Graveyard Book. It's uh, probably my favorite book in the world. It's about a living boy who's raised by who's raised in a graveyard by ghosts. So think the Jungle Book, but with ghosts instead of jungle creatures. Um, <laughs> it's beautifully written. There's so many characters, and they're all written so vividly that I actually remember all of them. Um, it's dark, but it's hopeful. There's suspense and murder, but no gratuitous gore because it's for children. And that's not a spoiler <laughs> because the murder happens on page one. <laughs> There's also The Ocean at the End of the Lane, which is kind of a dark fairy tale about the disconnect between childhood memories and the reality of adulthood. I don't think I would have enjoyed it as a child. I think it would have just gone right over my head, so I think it's perfect for adults. And fortunately, The Milk uh, is probably the funniest book I've ever read, and it only took me about an hour, so any of those I would super recommend to adults. And I think he's one of those authors as well that also has, you know, chapter books and graphic novels, if I'm not Mm -hmm. mistaken, which we have all of those in the library. Definitely. Yep. He does Sandman, I think, for adults. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So he's very um, diverse in the way that he writes, and I I enjoy him. I think that's a really good pick for adults, especially. Cool. Yes. Me too. (laughs) Um, So my next one that I picked is called Brown Girl Dreaming 
Um, it's by Jacqueline Woodson. She wrote this book. It's her biography, um, and she wrote it in verse. So she was raised in South Car Carolina and New York in the 60s and 70s as an African-American woman. And um, it's just very, it's so beautiful. Like, I don't even know how to describe it without spoiling things, without just saying it's just so pretty, the way that she writes. The story itself it is very heart-wrenching. And, you know, she, she was a kid in a very tough time in American history, especially in those states. So it was very, it was very eye-opening to read. I really enjoyed that one. Yes, this is another one that's on my list that I haven't read yet. I feel like <laughs> that's my theme of the episode. But yeah, no, everything you said I've, I've heard a million times. So Jacqueline Woodson is definitely somebody you want to pick up. Definitely. How about your second book? Okay, so again, mine is more of a uh, category than a book for my second one. Um, but it's the imprint Rick Riordan Presents. Um, so if you're interested in learning about mythology of various cultures of the world, but you don't know where to start... I would recommend any of the books from this imprint, Rick Riordan Presents. Um, you probably know Rick Riordan as the author of the Percy Jackson books, which I also love. <laughs> um, he's written series about Greek, Roman, Norse, and Egyptian mythology. When his fans asked him to branch out into more cultures, he didn't think he was the right person to do that. So instead, he started an imprint to make space for authors of color to publish stories based in the mythology of their own cultures, which is awesome. I really like the Pandava Quintet by Roshni Chakshi, which is based in Hindu mythology. The first book is called Arusha and the End of Time. It's basically, I would describe it as a Percy Jackson type story, but a girl and Hindu mythology <laughs> instead Ooh. of Greek and Roman. It's really good. Um, other mythologies represented in the imprint are Mayan, Mesopotamian, Korean, ancient African, Cuban, Mexican, and Navajo. So there's something for just about everyone who's interested in learning about various mytho mythologies. So check them out. I'm not going to lie. I had no idea that he had his own imprint, which I think is super awesome because obviously he's super popular. Um, He's, like, right up there with, you know, what every kid asks for is, you know, Percy Jackson. So mm -hmm. I definitely appreciate that. He is trying to be diverse as well in the authors that he's choosing. Exactly. And recognizing that he, as a white man, is not the person to go and you know, try to write about a culture that he doesn't know about. So mm -hmm. that's great. I mean, you could do all the research, but unless you're in that culture, sometimes it just doesn't come over very, very well. Yeah, and you want to make sure it's authentic and respectfully represented. And mm -hmm. so, you know, someone from that culture is the best person to do that. Yeah, I think that that's such a great idea. I'm so excited. I need to start getting on that. <laughs> yes, please do. Um, so my third book that I decided to talk about today was Aristotle and Dante Discover the Secrets of the Universe. Um, love this book. He just came out with a second one. It's Aristotle and Dante Dive into the Waters of the World. That one I didn't like as much, but the first one was just amazing. First off, if you do the audiobook, Lin-Manuel Miranda reads it, which is just like beautiful, like Hamilton singing. It's just so well done, which is like the first reason I picked it up. But then when we actually started getting into the story, it was very interesting. Um, so he writes about um, 1987. There are two 15-year-olds who are the complete opposites. You have Ari, uh, which is short for Aristotle. Um, he has a brother who's in prison, and he's struggling with, you know, finding himself and accepting himself. You know, he just feels like his life is spiraling until he meets Dante, who is this cool, you know, energetic, level-headed type guy, and they just fall for each other. And it's the best 
super cute story ever with like a lot of good life lessons. I'm not sure that I would have liked it as a, a kid because I don't think that I would have fully understood all the all the messages that are, are there. But as an adult, I'm just like, this is amazing. Like, this just makes me want to cry. Yes. I'm, I think you could probably guess what I'm about to say. This is another one that's been on my list forever. Um, <laughs> no way, Caitlin. <laughs> I know. So obviously those are all great books that I've heard about, just haven't gotten to yet. Um, and yeah, I love a queer romance. Definitely would not have appreciated it um, as a child. Although who knows if I was a child today. Um, it was just, just not something I really knew about growing up. So, yeah, I definitely could appreciate that today. And I've heard it's just beautiful and makes you want to squeal. So Yeah, the first one especially. I probably got halfway through the second one before I had to return it. But, um, I mean, they're both just very well written. The author is amazing. I love the audiobooks because, again, Lin-Manuel Miranda. Um, but, yeah, no, it's just it's overall just beautiful. So definitely check it out if you haven't. Yes, I did not know Lin-Manuel Miranda was doing audiobook narration, but of course he is. He can do anything. He also wrote a book um, about his Twitter. Like yes. Apparently was a thing. Yes. I did read that one. I did read that one. Yes. <laughs> hey, we got one. Like, good morning, good night, something like that. <laughs> yes, and it's super short, and he does do the audio for that, too. And I was like, this is just super cute. Like, Lin-Manuel Miranda, just as a human being, is just adorable. I love it. He's, yeah, just a ball of sunshine. All right, so my third one. If you are a millennial who grew up reading the Babysitter's Club books, you may get a nostalgic kick out of reading the new graphic novel versions. Um, they are written by, by a few uh, different illustrators, or I should say they are adapted by a few different illustrators, um, but they're basically the old stories that we love, just kind of updated a little bit. Um, they are just as pure and wholesome as they ever were, uh, but the artists have made an effort to add more diverse characters, it's been really fun reliving these stories in a graphic format. And if you aren't, if you think you aren't a graphic novels person, give them a try anyway. You might be surprised because I didn't think I liked graphic novels until I took a graphic novels class for library school, and now they're my favorite way to read. Honestly, I, I feel the same way because I feel like you know, as a kid, I was told you know graphic novels are like cheating because they're like picture books, but they're not. They are very interactive and just beautifully well done. And honestly, I like it. And um, we have graphic novels and we have mangas, and you know you can still get so much out of a graphic novel or a manga, and not have to sit there and read a chapter book if that's not your type of speed. So I agree, and they're really great for people. You know, people have all kinds of different learning styles, and there are things that you pick up from the story by seeing like the visual cues and the art that you wouldn't get just from reading the text. So it's not like it's, a, like you said, it's not cheating. It's a different way to experience a story and you are still reading. Yeah. And I mean, there's so many books that have been adapted to um, be graphic novels. And again, they're just beautifully well done. And to segue into my fourth book, which is a graphic novel. Nice. <laughs> um, I chose When Stars Are Scattered by Victoria Jameson. It's about Omar Mohammed. It's kind of his biography. Um, he was in Hassan. He was in a refugee camp with his brother, and he takes care of his younger brother, and he tries to, you know, make life livable because they are on their own. Refugee camps are, you know, tough to be in, especially as a child. So it's that biography, and it just takes it to a whole new level. The illustrations are just beautiful because... In each um, panel, there is a beautiful, like, star landscape, 
skyscrapers. It, it's just, it's very, it's very well done, and I really liked it. And if you are an adult who is looking for a nice, quick read biography graphic novel, I would say that this is definitely something. And now looking at my list, I totally realized that I did a lot of nonfiction versus fiction. Well, I, I guess I had half and half. I had two nonfiction and two fiction, so it works. That's okay. I mean, it means hopefully we'll uh, have something for everyone. In yeah. List. And I swear I am a dynamic, multifaceted person, um, but on today's podcast, my That's entire it. personality is, I haven't read the books Alyssa's recommending, but I've been wanting to. <laughs> because, no, I love Victoria Jameson. Uh, she also wrote Roller Girl, which is one of my yeah. favorite books. One I thought about putting on my list, but didn't, so Roller Girl, bonus recommendation. Um, but yeah, so I have no doubt that, that, that this story is amazing as well. <laughs> and that's Caitlin's theme of the day. <laughs> that is my theme of the day. All right. And what is your fourth book? My fourth one is another graphic novel. Woo! Um, so it is New Kid by Jerry Craft. And this book was the first graphic novel to ever win the Newbery Medal. So you know it's good. Um, it's about a 12-year-old black boy named Jordan Banks who experiences culture shock when his parents enroll him in a majority white private school. Um, the book explores racial identity and cross-racial friendships, and it's a really great introduction to the, things like the concept of microaggressions, like when um, Jordan is constantly called by other students and teachers by one of the names of the only other two black boys in the school. Um, Jerry Craft, the author, wanted the book to be accessible for children, but he really intended it to be read by a variety of ages, so um, I really got a ton out of it as an adult. Um, the book is semi-autobiographical based on the experiences of Craft and his sons, and there's also, called, there's also a sequel called Class Act, which is just as good. Okay, so now it's my turn. Um, I have seen those, but I have not read those yet. Okay. <laughs> but I've heard really good things, and they are always super popular. I always see them getting checked out by um, young readers and everything. So that's definitely something I would want to check out. Yes, that makes me happy to hear because I I love New Kids so much. So <laughs> I'm glad it's it's getting a lot of circulation. Yeah, no, it's fantastic. I would put it like right there with Dogman because you know how kids love Dogman. Yes. Which for parents who are listening and they don't quite know what Dogman is. I recently discovered what it was, and it's weird. Um, it's what a policeman's body, and they put like a dog's head on it, and like that—that's Dog Man. Yes, it's half dog, half human. Um, and I love Dog Man. It's weird, but <laughs> I love it. And that's another one. There you go. That adults can appreciate to a certain extent because some of the later books have titles like. A Tale of Two Kitties and mm -hmm. For Whom the Ball Rolls. Mm -hmm. uh, so, you know, you get some, some adult literary illusions in there as well. That <laughs> just go right over the kids' heads. <laughs> exactly. Um, so what would you say is probably, like, your favorite genre um, as an adult reading kids' books? What's your favorite genre in the juvenile section? I think I'm going to go with spooky, actually. Really? Yeah. I mean... There's something I love in every in every section of our of our juvenile fiction area, um, but obviously spooky is where the graveyard book fits. Um, I am someone who really likes reading horror, but I am kind of sensitive, so some of the adult stuff I just cannot handle. Like I'm, 
I'm not going to read page after page after page of, uh, you know, women being brutally murdered and oh, things nope, like I'm that. Good. So, uh, I'm out. <laughs> yeah, no, but if I can get a spooky story that's well written at like a level I can handle, that is absolutely my sweet spot. So, did you ever read scary stories to tell in the dark when you were a kid? Yes. <laughs> did you reread them as an adult? I did, and unfortunately, those are ones that I think are more nostalgic than, you know, the ones that hold up. Like, they're still fun. It's just like, Okay, these are for kids. <laughs> yeah, and like recently, I want to say like within the past couple of years, they changed the illustrations so they're not quite as spooky anymore. Okay. <laughs> and I was like, that was half the fun was seeing like the big toe in the soup and like that doesn't exist anymore. Oh yeah, lots of body horrors in the, in the, in the, the scary stories. There was. The one that always stuck with me was um, the prom one. So it was like they were driving home from prom or something and he hits a tree and only to find out that like his date has been dead the whole time. Yes. Yep. I remember that one. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yep. No, it was like super creepy. And then they made a movie out of it of all the popular ones. And the movie was meh. I mean, we have it. So definitely check it out and watch <laughs> it. But it was, it was just like meh. So but that's probably, that was probably like my favorite horror book as a kid, if that even counts. I think it does. Yeah. 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 It does. I think we have it in the folklore section, if I'm remembering correctly. So it's not even in spooky, but yeah. <laughs> well, we'll take it. I probably like fantasy because I feel like there is a lot of good. And fantasy is really popular with kids, too. Um, they have the Pegasus books, and that's where you'll find Percy Jackson and Harry Potter. And I've been hearing a lot of feedback from teens saying that they want more Harry Potter. So it's in the juvenile section. It's not that we don't <laughs> have it because we have it. Well, it would be really cool if they turned Harry Potter into graphic novels, which I know they kind of did with the illustrated versions. But yeah. if they had, like, true graphic novels, I mean, that thing would be huge. But that definitely... Would... Yes, sorry to talk over you. That would be really fun. Although they'd probably have to cut out a lot, like the movies, to uh, make them, you know, a, a normal size for a children's book. Because... <laughs> Meh, just, you know, if it looks like an encyclopedia... I mean, I would read it. I just don't know if a child is going to pick up an 1,000-page graphic really version. It's for the kids, though. It's for the adults. That's true. These are adults <laughs> we're talking about. So, sure, let's do it. Let's do yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, let's do it. Um, what was probably, like, your all-time favorite book when you were a kid that you appreciate more as an adult, if you have one? The one that comes to mind for me is... The Giver by Lois Lowry. Mm -hmm. um, like when I read it as a kid, I thought it was just a cool story. <laughs> and then I read it as an adult, and I'm like, wow, this world is so creepy. And like, <laughs> I just did not see all the layers to it and all of like, it's, you know, it's for kids, so it's not going to traumatize them. But if you read it as an adult, you're like, wow, this is dystopian mm -hmm. AF. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like the, there, there's, there's a lot there. Mm -hmm. um, probably for me, it was Esperanza Rising because it's one of those that we had to read in school. But then when I read it again as an adult, I was like, wow, this was very forthcoming for you know, for the author to do, and it was beautiful and it was heartbreaking all over again. I mean, I probably read it like in second or third grade, but still reading it as a woman in her early twenties, growing up in Arizona, there was a lot of things that made made more sense to me, I guess. That one is historical fiction, I want to say? It is historical okay. fiction, yeah. All right, yes. Yeah, so good stuff there. <laughs> I mean, we have good stuff all over our stack, so anything that you choose, you'll probably fall in love with. Um, but I think that does it for us, unless you have anything else. Well, I had a couple of bonuses. Ooh, um, go for the bonuses. I'll go for the bonuses. These are... Um, 
again, ones that I have not read yet, but I have heard are fantastic for adults. Caitlin's theme of the day. Theme of the day. One I was going to say is Brown Girl Dreaming, so um, another vote for that one. Um, But also The Crossover by Kwame Alexander. It's Mm -hmm. a novel in verse about a boy who wants to be a basketball star, and I've heard that it's great for kids and parents to enjoy reading together, and there's also a graphic novel version, so bonus. We do love our graphic novels here on this podcast. Today. Clearly. We love our graphic novels and we love ones that Caitlin has heard is good but has not read yet. <laughs> yep. That, those are our themes. So, um, anyways, that does it for us today. And thank you for listening. And tune in next week where somebody will be talking about something great, I'm sure. Thanks, everyone. And before I forget, we are doing our summer reading program this month. And so, this month's code for this episode is going to be Aristotle, like... Dante and Aristotle like the book. Um, So if you enter in the code Aristotle into our summer reading program, you get 25 points towards getting your free book. So make sure that you enter that in and thank you for listening. Thank you for listening to Shelf Logic. Make sure to hit subscribe and share this podcast with your friends. Follow us on social media where we are at MCLDAZ.